Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Health Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Keyes. If I were to ask you what month you think is Men's Health Month, I bet, like myself, you would have guessed November. And while November is when you see many men sporting mustaches and full beards as part of the No Shave November campaign, Men's Health Month is actually June. And so today, we are going to dive into everything about Men's Health Month. And we are blessed to have our very own urology specialist and DO, Dr. Kathy Ravenbosch. Dr. Ravenbosch says her childhood dream was to become a physician. She earned her bachelor's degree from University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign and medical degree from Midwestern University in Illinois. In her work as chief of urology surgery since 2015 at CHI St. Joseph, Dr. Ravenbosch says it is rewarding to see patients improve and heal despite the tough and vulnerable times she knows many patients experience. She values the team approach at CHI St. Joseph Health and the importance placed on every individual's role in patient care from the beginning to the end. Dr. Ravenbosch is an assistant professor of surgery at Texas A&M College of Medicine and recently earned her distinction as a center of excellence for the Eurolift procedure. She is only the second female urologist in Texas to do so and the seventh in the nation. Dr. Ravenbosch has been married since 1998 and is a mother of two young children. She enjoys spending leisure time with her family, running, and staying healthy. Dr. Ravenbosch, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's exciting, and you know, I'm 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 a I'm passionate about preventative health, and I think this is uh, this is going to be an exciting episode. I think many people, not just men, will be able to uh, relate to it and be able to uh, get some really good good information. So, Dr. Ravenbosch, I always like to start the show off on a little bit of a lighter note. So, my first question for you is a little bit of anatomy humor. What is the difference between a urologist? that has been working for one year and one that has been working for 10. A vast deference in experience. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have other jokes I can tell you, but it's not good for no, podcast. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> okay, so well, let's dive, in th- dive into things here. So, so tell us about your practice, you know, what you see the most often in your clinic. You know, I think urology is a field of medicine that maybe not everyone, including myself, has a really full understanding of the range of treatments that are provided. That's very true. And uh, most patients, both men and women, are somewhat hesitant to see a urologist because we deal below the belt. And it's sort of an enigma for a lot of patients. And there's a lot of fear and anxiety coming to a urologist's office. So it's our job to make them feel comfortable the best we can. Uh, I do practice general urology. And since I've been out of residency, uh, we see men and women in our clinic, and what I like to see is voiding dysfunction. And obviously, there's a plethora of kidney stones in Texas because of where we live and urologic can- uh, cancers. But a recent, what has become my passion is dealing with men with obstructive urinary symptoms because, like you, I am a proponent of uh, preventive medicine. And I feel that by screening patients and dealing with their obstructive urinary symptoms, I have unmasked and diagnosed a lot of undiagnosed medical illnesses like high blood pressure and diabetes. So I rely on our family medicine doctors to deal with those illnesses, but it's not uncommon that as a urologist based on abnormal urine analysis that I have discovered patients that have never known that they have diabetes. Right. Right. That's amazing. That's great. So what got you into the field of urology? I mean, what do you enjoy the most about it? Um, I do enjoy urology because of the spectrum of diseases that we deal with um, and the relationship that we develop with our patients. Urology is one of our, one of the unique fields where we see patients of all ages from children to 
patients at the end of their life when they're in their late, late 80s and even 90s these days. And you develop a long relationship with a lot of our patients, whether it's uh, for obstructive urinary symptoms, particularly in cancer. I have a lot of patients that I've been seeing, gosh, since I started here. I just saw patients um, this morning. You know, I've had them since I first moved here. And it's right. a very personal relationship with I, which I have with them. And I don't take their trust and their respect for a mutual relationship likely. Right, right. So, you know, I think we can have a little bit of real talk. Men kind of tend to put off being proactive about their health. And in fact, women make twice as many preventative visits to their healthcare provider as men. So I mean, what do, why do you think that is? And what, and what words do you use to kind of encourage your patients to be more proactive about their health? That's a very good question. And there's a reason why women have life expectancies greater than men. As a matter of fact, I will live five years longer than you, hopefully. That's just mm-hmm. based on data. And, and statistics have shown that women, men that are married also live a little longer too. And I think it's because women are more proactive about their preventative health. I, you know, when I figure out why men do not want to uh, take partake in preventive care, I think it's a lot of it's commonsensical and I think we all know it. And you being a man probably experienced these as well. And let me know if I hit home on some of these marks. You're either too embarrassed. I mean, especially with the urology field, you're either too right. embarrassed to come in with the problem below the belt. Right. You're in denial, not you in particular, but right. patients can be in right. denial about what's going on. And there's you know, a lot of excuses like they're too busy, they feel weird coming to a urologist, they're embarrassed, they feel vulnerable. And sometimes they just don't want your advice because things are okay. I kind of attribute it to dealing with your car. You know, when we deal with men, you got, you know, men are so great about taking care of our cars, oil changes, rotating the tires and so forth to keep your car in good health. And it's unfortunate that you don't do that with your own body when it comes to men. Mm-hmm. Men tend to put it off until your your car is on fire, in essence. It's almost <laughs> too late. And so what I try to enforce to with my patients is that, look, you refer to me because you're starting to have problems that primary care doctors are often feeling that this is all I got. What else can we do? What can we do as surgeons, urologists to see what we can help? And so I try to put them at ease. And, you know, it's a basically... Try to put them in as much as I can, but you know, it's, there's no doubt that patients still feel a lot of anxiety about what we do. But yeah. I try to talk to them frankly about what we need to do and educate them. Yeah, and just to keep in mind, it's an extremely personal situation for them, I'm sure. So, absolutely, and a little sense of humor goes a long way. Right, <laughs> it makes a vast difference. <laughs> yes. I should have caught that. <laughs> so, um, as a physician, you know, with with an interest in men's health and prevention, what what would you say are the most important screenings that men should should make time for? The most important part of men's screening, I believe, is when they start to have difficulty urinating. I think it's time for you to talk to your primary care doctors and be screened and be referred to urology if it persists or it progresses. Difficulty with urination, especially obstructive urinary symptoms, are not only early signs of enlarged prostate called benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is a non-cancerous enlargement of the prostate that can slow your flow. However, some of those symptoms go hand in hand with some urologic cancers as well. So we don't try to scare patients and say that you have cancer every time you can't urinate, but certainly all those things, including blood tests, prostate exams, need to be done to make sure nothing more serious is going on. It is amazing how prevalent high blood pressure is. You know, statistically, one in three men have high blood pressure. 
And when we look at the spectrum of high blood pressure, erectile dysfunction, prostate cancer, and enlarged prostate, those are spectrums of disease that can coexist and often go hand in hand. And treating for one can make the other issues worse. For example, when you treat high blood pressure, you can make someone's erectile dysfunction much worse. When you treat somebody's enlarged prostate, it can make their heart conditions worse. And so these are all things that I have to discuss with my patients that there are risks and benefits of medication and surgeries, and we try to risk stratify them. So what is the best option for those treatments and screening process? I do want to spend some time that obstructive urinary symptoms can sometimes be signs of advanced prostate cancer. So those are important things that we need to screen as physicians to make sure that they do not coexist. And if so, we need to address them efficiently. Right. You know, what, what about kind of, I guess, what age should men really start kind of being more uh, mindful of all of that stuff? You know, if I can under, from what I can understand, it has a little bit to do with family history but and some other factors. But what age should sure. men really, I guess, you know, start thinking about that? Okay. Well, let's talk about that in a sense that the, the enlargement of the prostate called BPH, and I'm going to use that acronym BPH for enlargement of the prostate. It is so prevalent and it's so prevalent so that over 70% of men starting at age 60 can develop these symptoms. If you're over the age of 80, my goodness, you're experiencing symptoms to 70 to 80% of the time. So I would say if you are a uh, gentleman in your late 40s and 50s, we need to start thinking about prostate cancer screening and discuss also their urinary symptoms to see if they're having any issues. And family history, of course, is very important. For example, if you have family history of prostate cancer, uh, of which the biggest risk factors are first degree relatives. So if your father or your uncle has history of prostate cancer, that does put you at risk. Now, as far as enlargement of the prostate, it is so common that Sometimes you don't need family history and you usually don't. It's right. a process of aging that you will develop those symptoms. Right. So I'm fairly open and honest with my clients. And sometimes, you know, topics are just a little taboo for them to, to kind of talk about. And as we talked, you know, men kind of tend to hide their thoughts. But what are some of the more common health related issues that they face? So, you know, like you had mentioned, the BPH. And uh, why is it important for it to be treated so quickly? BPH is uh, so common as we discussed, and what we want to do is prevent progression of other issues that one can experience by delaying care. So with enlarged prostate, the early symptoms can be very vague. You may get more frequently up at night. Your flow may be slow to start, but you've been dealing with it. The guy voiding next to you in the urinal is so much quicker and you could hear it, but yours is not where it should be. The problem with decreased urinary flow and obstructive urinary symptoms is that most patients will progress. When you ignore that and not address it aggressively, your bladder can decompensate because the prostate sits below the bladder and you have to generate enough pressure from the bladder to push the urine from bladder out to the tip of the penis. Having said that, if you have significant blockage, if you ignore it, it will progress to overactive bladder symptoms of urgency. And what happens is the bladder muscle deteriorates. And sometimes it causes irreversible damage to the bladder muscle, where you may not be able to urinate on your own despite medication, despite surgery, however invasive they may be. So being proactive will set you up for success later to minimize one's risk of proceeding with surgery or developing kidney problems 
and bladder that doesn't work anymore. And that presupposes a whole different problem where you run out of options if your bladder decompensates to irreversible damage and you become catheter dependent. And we're trying to avoid that as much as possible. Definitely. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, you don't. So, so let's talk about the Eurolift procedure. I mean, as I mentioned in your intro, this is something that you received a, a high distinction for the center, the center of excellence, and and like I said, the, only the second woman to do so. And um, that's an that's an amazing feat. So, but but what is it? Um, and why is it a better option maybe for your patients? The reason I became passionate about a Eurolift is because it allows us to provide a minimally invasive approach that is something that we can transition patients off medication. Most patients, they require the invasive portion of prostate surgery called transurethral resection of prostate because they have to have it, meaning their kidneys have failed, they're catheter dependent, and they're retention of urine. We wanna avoid invasive surgery if possible by treating their prostate early so we prevent progression of bladder deterioration. What Eurolift offers, it's minimally invasive, and it is the only technology that doesn't use thermal energy nor resection of prostate tissue. So there's a faster recovery time. It's great. It, it mechanically pushes the obstructing portion of the prostate by putting in permanent implants. And something that takes much longer if you have the invasive surgery, which can take up to hour, hour and a half, the Eurolift device implants take only about 10, 15 minutes. And that's a huge difference yeah. in the operative time yeah. and much less bleeding and less side effects. What I'm passionate about Eurolift is it allows us to talk to patients about medications because most patients on prostate medications have sexual dysfunction. Because of the side effects of the medication, the compliance rate of men taking these medications is low, yeah. almost 20, 30%. They may take it for a few months and they just stop taking it because they do not want to deal with low libido. And these are side effects of the medications, right. low libido, ejaculation problems, impotence, feeling tired and just not feeling well, and even developing breast tenderness. So just telling you those symptoms, yeah. you can see why men would not want to take those medications. And studies are coming out that these prostate medications can cause dementia and heart issues and are heart failure patients and hypertensive patients. So when I speak to my patients with BPH, enlargement of the prostate, um, the Eurolift has given me the opportunity to say, there's options besides having invasive surgery. We can take you off the medications with side effects if you choose to do so. Or if you start to struggle with the medication, there's a go-to that prevents you from having invasive surgery so that you could recover quicker and keep your bladder safe. Yeah. That's great. So, you know, uh, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how Eurolift can potentially provide relief from BPH, you can visit www.chistjoseph.org forward slash services forward slash urology forward slash Eurolift, uh, which I will also make sure that is linked in the episode description for anyone who's interested. Well, Dr. Ravenbosch, I'd like to end the podcast the way that we started with something a little bit lighter. So my last question for you is this. I know that many patients are so kind and reach out after everything is done and graciously give you know thanks with maybe a gift. So as a urologist, what is the most unique gift that you have ever received from a patient after helping them? And of course, before you answer that, keep in mind that this is a family-friendly show. <laughs> well, that does make a difference. I have to edit <laughs> The weirdest gift I got was a patient brought me a kidney from a pig. Wow. 
and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... That was a really odd one. Yeah. But I received run- wonderful gifts from numerous patients, anywhere yeah. from homemade quilts. Obviously, food is always welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and gardening products. But um, other ones can be not for rated PG kind of right. conversation. But yes, <laughs> I consider my patients. But my patients also reciprocate with great sense of humor. Yeah. And... And, and it, it's valuable to me, their trust. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Robin Bosch. And, you know, this has been super helpful. And, and I'm confident that our listeners will have gained some insight on, on, on how many things in men's health are preventable and treatable. So, but before we go, did you have anything else that you'd like to say? I would like to say that I'm very enthusiastic about the Urolift available in our town. It's allowed us to approach enlarged prostate patients in a novel way that I'm very enthusiastic about because we can minimize one's risk of having more invasive surgery. And some patients were able to discontinue their medication, what we call de-prescribe, where there are significant side effects. So there are other solutions. You do not have to suffer alone or be embarrassed or scared to come into a urology office. We want to make you feel better. And our goal is to take away that taboo about speaking about sexual dysfunction, because medications can cause it. There's alternative options that allow you to not suffer from sexual dysfunction. Yeah. So get in there, guys. You know, don't be embarrassed about this. This is important stuff. So, well, thank you again. And thank you listeners for tuning in. And we know we have more episodes on the way. So until next time, thanks. Bye.